Hello, and welcome to Solving for the Undefined podcast. I'm your host, Johanna, founder of Miss Kuiper's Classroom, the place that equips teachers and parents in helping students struggling with on-grade level math. But it's not always about the numbers, and that's why I'm here, bringing you the formulas to solve your problems, math and otherwise, and helping students gain confidence in academic abilities. And that's what you can count on. Hello, hello, happy Monday to you. I hope your week is off to a fantastic start. Mondays for us are, at least this year, work days. So we do our staff meetings, we do our data teams, we do any other planning that we need to do for the week, as well as any other district PD professional development that we need to, or we get to do. Sometimes it's really cool and I really enjoy the PD. Other times it could have been an email, right? In our district, students have been starting to go back into the classroom for hybrid learning. I think kindergarten and first grade went back two weeks ago and this would be their second or third week. I think it's their second week of being back in person. And second and third graders start back this week. And one of my good friends She starts back with her third graders tomorrow because Mondays are work days. So she is super excited. I'm super excited because they just released when secondary students are going to be going back as well. Middle school go back date is April 15th, but they're slow rolling it. I think they're calling it a soft start. So sixth graders go back April 15th and then seventh and eighth graders go back the 16th or 17th. I'm not entirely sure. But those are the dates that we are going back in person. I'm super excited, a little nervous, but excited because I love being in person. After having almost exactly a full year of being online teaching, I am realizing how much I miss being in person. And last Friday, I actually went into the building to teach from my desk. I just needed a change of pace, a change of place, and I decided to go teach from my school building on Friday. And it just reminded me how much I miss being in the classroom. And I feel like a lot of teachers feel the same way. So in about a month, I'm going back in person to teach from my classroom. I'm so excited because I've missed doing certain activities that require us to be in person. And one of those activities is task cards. And task cards, you can use them online as well, but I love using them in person. I have a bunch of ways that I use them that engage students, that can be a game, and it's just a lot of fun. So what are task cards? Task cards are a set of cards with problems. Breaking down a concept into individual questions is an alternative to doing a worksheet. Usually task cards have one or two problems on them that students will complete whether it's on a recording sheet or just on a whiteboard, notebook paper, anything. And a lot of people think that they're just for math, but I think that they can be used in any subject. You can do them in science, you can do them in language arts, you can do them in social studies, you can even do them in PE or art. There are so many ways to use task cards, and they're not just for secondary students either. Ever since we've been online, I've seen a huge push for boom cards, which are basically digital interactive task cards, typically geared for elementary students. There are so many ways and different styles of task cards that we can be using in our classrooms. 
So why should we be using task cards? Task cards are an engaging way to practice a concept without having to use a worksheet. Another reason we should be using task cards in our classroom is because they are versatile. There are so many different ways we can be using task cards in our classroom. And later on in this episode, I'm going to be talking about some of my favorite ways that I use task cards in my classroom, both in person and online, because I know some of us aren't going to be going back in person anytime soon, as well as some of us are going to be in hybrid mode. You can be using task cards for games, for competition, for math centers, for intervention. There's so many ways to use task cards in your classroom. Another reason is, especially if you have a limited print budget, you can print a number of sets for your classroom of these task cards, laminate them, cut them, and they can be reused over and over again, as well as you can make them self-check-in. What I mean by this is I have a set of multi-step equation task cards for my students. I print the answer on the back of the card. While some students take this as an opportunity to cheat and get out of doing work, it actually is really helpful for the students because they get to, once they've done the problem, check their work. And if their answer is correct, they know that they get to move on to the next question. If they get it incorrect, now they can go back through their process and see why they got the answer incorrect, which is one of my favorite types of problems, is find the error. So students get to find the error in their own problem and better understand how to get the correct answer later on in a different problem. And I require students to show their process, show their work, so students can't just write down the answer and move on to the next one. They know that I want them to show their work because that shows me if they're understanding the concept, especially since our school grades on a scale of NE, no evidence, to a four being proficient in understanding a concept. Now that we've talked about what task cards are and why we should be using them in our classroom, let's talk about how to use them. And I will be sharing how I use them in person as well as how we can modify them in a COVID classroom in person and how we can use them online as well. So one of my favorite ways to do task cards is called bucket problems. So the way this works is you have a bucket of these task cards. Typically, if you buy task cards on Teachers Pay Teachers or you make your own, typically you make anywhere from 12 to 32 or even more sometimes. And so this allows for lots of problems to be distributed between your students. So in bucket problems, you're going to pass out one task card per student. You're going to keep the extras in a bucket or a tub at the front of the classroom or in a designated location. And once students do the problem, either as a team, as a partners, or individually on a recording sheet, whiteboard, etc., they're going to return that card to the bucket and grab a new one. To modify this due to COVID, what you can do is have each student have a set of task cards in a box. I don't know if you heard my cat meow in the background, but he's here to say hello. Say hi. It's so cute. Anyways, I store my task cards in the Michael's photo bins. Not the boxes, but the little tiny ones. They are the perfect size for task cards. They fit four by six because that's the typical photo size, right? They are perfect size for task cards. And so I put 
a few task cards in that box, and then I hand them out to students. So they have their own personalized little set, free from contamination. And especially if you laminate your task cards, it's easy to clean up, easy to clean. So that is how you can use bucket problems within your classroom. The second way that I use task cards in my classroom is match and discuss. I pass out the task cards and the recording sheets, one per student. Then I give them time to complete that one problem on their sheet. Then the students have to find a partner. Typically, I give them like a phrase and how they should find the partner. Because especially if you're working with middle schoolers, they're immediately going to go to their friends or they're going to stand there and do nothing. So I give them a prompt. Find someone wearing the same shirt color or find your soulmate, like same type of shoe. Get it? Soulmate. And so when they find that partner, they're going to discuss the problem and how they solved it. After a given amount of time, have them switch cards and find a new partner. Another way you can do match and discuss is finding a partner who had the same card, especially if you have more than one set in circulation. Find someone who has the same card, compare, talk about it, and then get a new card from a bucket or someplace that you can find them. You can also use match and discuss having a set of task cards that have the same answer. So within a group, if you have four cards that have the same answer, those four people have to find each other and then they are a group for the next activity. Something along those lines. Match and discuss is a really fun way to get students moving and talking and not sitting in their desk all day. This one was a little harder for me to think about how I would use it in a COVID classroom, if you will, finding a way for students who need to still social distance. So that one might have to be when we're officially back to normal or whatever our new normal looks like. The third way I use task cards in my classroom is speed dating. Now, whenever I say this to my students, they're like, dating, and then they get like either super excited or like super bashful. Either way, it's not actually speed dating. So what I do is I split my class in half, having the students face each other. Usually I either move the desk so it's like straight down the classroom, two desks facing each other, or it can also be done standing up if you don't want to rearrange your classroom. The students are then going to sit across or stand across from each other to complete this task hour activity. Sometimes I like to use whiteboards as well to help students write out their work. It's easy to erase and move on when they're time. So they will complete a task card together. And when the time is up, just like speed dating, have them switch partners by having one side move one seat to the right and then having the task cards move one to the left. This allows the task card to be new for both students. This one was also a little bit harder to figure out how we could use this in a hybrid classroom or in person. However, two ways I thought of. One is if you're in a hybrid classroom that has students online and students in person, you can match one student online to one person in class. They can be doing the problem together. The online student can have all the task cards. The teacher assigns them the letter or number that that card is. The students work on it together, and then that student then goes to work with another student. It's a little more complicated, but I think it also helps the students online be involved in the classroom activity, which is always super helpful for the online students. Another way that I thought of is it relates back to 
You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift. Now I'm going to have that song stuck in my head for a while. But if you've seen the music video, you know that Taylor Swift and her person of interest are neighbors. And they will, at night, hold up signs to each other with a written out phrase. Like, how are you? Sorry. Stuff like that. And you can use this in your classroom. So students have whiteboards. They can sit across from each other with their divider. And then do the problem on the whiteboard. And flip it up and hold it across to that person. So that person can see that student's work. Or if they use different styles to solve the problem, like I teach my students to solve equations in like three or four different ways, like algebra tiles, using inverse operations, box method, hanger method. There's so many different ways to solve equations. And if students do it in a different way and get the same answer, they can see how another method works. So that is how you can use speed dating as an engaging way to use task cards. Another way is using whiteboards. I love whiteboards. I'm sure many teachers also have this observation, but I find that more students will opt in and try the work when it's done on a mini whiteboard. One pro tip I will tell you is allow one or two minutes of doodle time to prevent students from drawing during the activity. I know sometimes teachers will have students mark off a space where they can doodle in that section, However, I still find that that takes away from the activity itself. Of course, you know your students better than I do, so whatever works best for your classroom. You will want to pass out whiteboards or a recording sheet for each student. You're going to place the task card under the document camera, or you can have it as slides and put it on your screen, and have students solve it. I usually put up a timer for like one, two minutes, depending on the complexity or difficulty of the problem. So that way the students know how much time they have to complete the problem. But I find that timers usually help students stay on task better. When the timer rings, I yell, boards up! And then I look over at each board to gauge the overall understanding of the problem. This also works really well with distance learning. So if you're online or if you're hybrid, one thing I do is students can complete it on like a piece of paper if they have whiteboards, or even the notes app in their phone, students are always looking for an opportunity to use their phone in class, especially middle schoolers. So I'll put the task card on the shared screen. I'll have students work it out. And then I will say, it's time to show me your math. And I think I've talked about this in a previous episode, talking about how to engage your students. But I feel like Tony the Tiger every time I say it because he says, they're great. And it sounds very much like, show me your math. So they always get a kick out of that. But then students can hold it up to their camera. Sometimes it's the only time they turn on their camera. And then I can check their work by glancing over my Zoom screen. You can also do this in Whiteboard FI. If you haven't heard about Whiteboard FI, I snoozed on it for so long. In Whiteboard FI, there is a teacher whiteboard that you can transfer to each student. Students do their work on there, and as a teacher, you can see all of their work. It's amazing. Also, same thing for here. Pro tip, give them doodle time. What I usually do is I'll put the link in chat and say you have two minutes to get there. The faster you get there, the more doodle time you have. It gives students the incentive to get there quickly, to have more time to doodle. So that is how I use whiteboards in my classroom for task cards. And lastly, another way I use task cards in my classroom is using Google Apps. 
This is a great way, especially if you're online. However, I also use it in person. I have used multiple Google apps to share task cards with my students. Google Forms is probably the number one way I've done it. However, I find that Google Jamboard is a lot more engaging for students. And I have a whole blog post on how I use Jamboard in my classroom, which you can find on misskypersclassroom.com in my blog. The easiest one to set up is Google Forms. You can upload pictures of your task cards to the Google Forms. You can set them up to be self-grading as well, so students can get immediate feedback on their problems. Plus, you get easy grading because you can see all of the students' answers in one place. You can also use Google Slides. Google Slides is a great tool for setting up like a recording sheet so students can type out their answers or responses or do the problem on Google Slides. However, I feel like Google Jamboard is way better for that. It's great if you want students to show your work because Jamboard is way more student user friendly than Slides is, at least for showing work. Especially since Jamboard has a new feature where you can add something as the background to a slide because then students can do the problem and they're not manipulating the slide. It's a lot easier for students to write than it is on Google Slides. I'll post a picture on how I do that in the show notes on my website so you can see how I create a Google Jamboard for task cards. Quick review. Task cards are a set of cards with problems breaking down a concept into individual questions. It's a lot more engaging and versatile than a worksheet is, and they aren't just limited for math or for secondary students. The five ways we talked about using task cards in your classroom are bucket problems, match and discuss, speed dating, whiteboards, and Google apps. I hope this was helpful. I love using task cards. If you're still new to task cards and don't know where to start, feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram or email me, johanna at misskypersclassroom.com. That's J-O-H-A-N-N-A at M-I-S-S-K-U-I-P-E-R-S classroom.com. And I'm happy to help you get started. I also have a set of free multi-step equation task cards in my Teachers Pay Teacher store. So if you find my Teachers Pay Teacher stores, it's my primary freebie. It has over 5,000 downloads, if that helps you understand how awesome task cards are. Even if you're not a math teacher or a secondary math teacher, you can still look at them to see how I use them because it includes the printables as well as the Google Forms. So you can see all the different components of how I use it. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. To find all the links and resources to things talked about in this episode, head on over to misskypersclassroom.com and click on podcast. And until next time, I'll leave you with this. In honor of Pi Day, what do you get when you take a bovine and divide its circumference by its diameter? A cow pie.